for the community. Inspire Radio. And we are back. It's 11.05 a.m. And who do we have in the studio here, Gabby? We have, is it Madeline or Madeline? I keep calling you Madeline. Madeline. I yeah. thought it so. <laughs> it's Madeline King, our federal member for brand. Welcome to Inspire Radio. I believe this is your second time here. Yeah, the first time I did an interview just on the phone because I think COVID restrictions had sort of were at their height, so I couldn't mm-hmm. come in and because of the space. But um, yeah, my first time in the studio. So what a great space. You reckon it's pretty cool? I reckon it's awesome. Oh, I'm just, just really excited to have a female member for Parliament. Here. <laughs> yeah, it's Sorry. absolutely awesome. No, well, yeah, there's a lot of blokes around here. We have, yeah. we've <laughs> had, well, we've had Mark McGowan, we've had Roger Cook, we've had Paul Papalia, we've had Reese Whitby. So um, we've had Quinana Council come in. So Mayor Carol Adams, we've had Barry Samuels. So we've had quite a um, extensive little I'm group I'm still excited to have you in here. I did a little bit of Googling and I know you're a local Yeah, girl. yeah, yeah. we Googled you. <laughs> Born in Quinana. So. Speaking of which, before um, we get into some of the other questions, I have to bring this up because it's something you posted this morning. Um, and I was going to talk a little bit later, but you know what? Let's just get straight into it. These mailboxes yeah. with the mail and the postage. What is going on? Yeah, it's, it's amazing um, how popular post is. And we, we forget we forget it because we, we're used to – and. Younger among us think of more of email or um, social media, but mail remains really important. And uh, we're getting more used to lots more parcels because they're not shopping so much. But but what the, the changes that were brought in in the last sitting weeks, only a few weeks ago, is the government has reduced how much Australia d- the post delivers. So instead of every day, every day you used to get the postie, dropping something in your mailbox if you got mail, now that's stopped. So uh, right across um, the electorate, so that's all of basically Rockingham and Quinana, Baldivis, Port Kennedy, uh, all the su- most of the suburbs of Quinana now get uh, post only every other day and sometimes it'll be even less than that. And you can see from the, my post on my Facebook page what it means to people because I think... We've had um, over 350 shares in two hours, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think it captures people's imagination when they think they're going to lose something they've been really used to and really love, which is, you know, the post. Mm. And so how do you think at this point in time with COVID going on, th- what sort of impact is this going to have on jobs? It's already had a pretty massive impact. Uh, we've seen a lot of jobs lost right around the country. In, in WA, we're a bit more fortunate, of course. You know, the, the border closure has meant certain jobs have kept going and I even growing. I suppose more specifically with this Australia Post issue. Oh, well, that's that affects posties, right? So what it means is that there are less, uh, you know, young oh, women and men on, on the bikes, on the little motorcycles, delivering mail. Uh, so the... Australia Post has now got their marching orders from the government to go and move some of those people into parcel delivery or that will, will just start losing jobs. So there will be less posties is what this means and that makes sense, right? If you cut out the, the days of delivery, there's less need for posting. So, uh, you know, and, and most of us kind of get used to seeing our postie, especially mm. now, which is strange, right? Usually if you're at work all day, you won't see your postie, but more people have been at home so they do see their postie and I, I think that's what's even sadder about it is you've got to know a bit more uh, 
of that contact in the community and now we're going to lose a bit of it. So. It's funny you say that. Just before we had the interview with Mark McGowan, I was actually talking to my, my lady posty and she's, oh God, she's so lovely. Young girl. And um, we're talking, she come over and she was giving me the mail and she said something she's, and she said, oh, you look lovely. And I said, yeah, I've got an interview tomorrow with Mark McGowan as well. And I said, I'm so nervous about it. Well, she actually came back the next day and left me a note and said, you're going to be fantastic. So good luck today. And so we do develop that sort of, personal relationship with our posties i've had posties actually give my dogs treats yeah. <laughs> things like that you know so it, i'm glad that you've brought that up because we do we form that relationship oh, we do and they they deliver you know rain hail or shine i mean how many times have you seen the postie in the big raincoat in their motorbike you know it's a little bit treacherous but they keep doing it and that they stay safe and got all their high vis on now which is really really important but you know, the weather doesn't stop the mail. Um, turns out only the government's stopping the mail now. <laughs> so, you know. Um, so I guess obviously that's going to affect our sense of community, which I feel that we have really built up well during COVID. Mm. I definitely am one that, you know, I see my postie every morning and I'll wave and say hello. Um, how do you feel it's going to affect the sense of community for the people that may not have jobs anymore because of this cancellation? Um, and what can we do to support you in Yeah, that? well, uh, you know, I think my post this morning says, you know, you, you need to send messages to the government on this. Uh, if if you if you care about it, you know, write. You can write to me as your local MP, and I'll forward your correspondence on to the government. But you mm -hmm. know, equally, what's important is you can you can talk to other MPs, so uh, <laughs> members of parliament that are part of the the government, so the so the Liberal members of parliament, and you know, just. Uh, send them a message that you really want your post to be delivered every day because you want your postie to be able to swing by every day and do their important job and to keep their job because, as you say, it's just uh, going to be less people, uh, you know, in a job, which is a really important job and one that we all really like and support. So, yeah, it's get in contact with your local MP. Um, that sounds great. Um, I just wanted to really quickly ask you, what is the symbolism of your, your bluebird <laughs> brooch there? This, this, what I've got on is a little, um, yeah, bluebird brooch. In fact, my mum, uh, uh, my mum, Diana Morris, lives in Shoalwater Bay. She gave this to me years ago and a lot of people comment on it and she can't remember where she got it. So we can't <laughs> get another one. Yeah. So, But what I wore it today actually because I was just at a tree planting for International Peace Day uh, where it's a a new seedling, or it's a bit bigger than a seedling, has been planted to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the bombings of Hiroshima oh. and uh, Nagasaki in Japan. So I was with there with the Mayor Barry Samuels and the rest of the Rockingham Council. So I thought I'd wear that because it's, you know, a bit of happiness or yes. something. Yeah, and it seemed peaceful and it's one of my favourite little brooches and uh, good for um, International Peace Day. And that brings us to our next question, sure. which was originally our first question, but we got a little <laughs> caught up with the uh, posty stuff. But that, well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for answering those questions. Yeah. Um, how has COVID affected your involvement in the Rockingham community? Well, it's been uh, pretty tumultuous <laughs> in terms of uh, changes. So uh, back in March, we, we shut down my electorate office pretty quickly. You could get through on the phone really easily and email. That, all, that never stopped, but we had to... Um, close the office door so people couldn't come in because of those restrictions and you know we had to set up a, a pretty pretty quickly set up a, a new means of operating where um, my staff could still hear from people and deal with their problems and we had a lot of issues around Centrelink and people were really uncertain so there was a really intense kind of period of interaction but it was not 
the usual community turning up at events, shaking hands and all that, that, that just stopped dead. Um, and, and more recently, you know, when, when I came back from Canberra, although the direction from the WA government was that I, I could go out in the community if I did, I had to wear a mask and I, I, don't, I don't mind wearing a mask at all. Like I think it's not a bad idea at all, but it does make some other people feel a bit uncomfortable. And so I, I just didn't go to many community events because people start wondering, well, why, why are you there? And you, you probably should be at home isolating a bit. So that was my choice uh, to um, to sort of stay away from the community and that before I had a COVID test after the two weeks from being back from Canberra. Because in Canberra, I interact with a lot of people from around the country. Uh, and in Canberra, it's it's really super safe. Like there's hand sanitizer everywhere you go. And you have to wear a mask inside the Parliament House building if you're walking around. It's only in your own office that you don't have to wear one. Um, and that's designed so that it become, it's still a safe place where parliamentarians can, can fulfil their obligation to represent their communities uh, in, the, in the House of Representatives or the Senate. So one thing I did want to ask you, it's a little bit off track here. So when we spoke with Mark, he mentioned some pets that he had when he was younger. <laughs> and um, they were guinea pigs and he had trouble keeping them alive because he kept feeding them the wrong things. Um, have you had any childhood pets or funny situations like that? Uh, yeah, uh, we have we had a lot of pets. Um, uh, I grew up with dogs in my family. So uh, my, my first dog that I, that I really remember, you're going to laugh at the name. Um, he was called Pommy. <laughs> that's, um, uh, he's a Pomeranian? No, no he, he was not. No. He, was, he was a Bitsa, you know, like a... D- oh. But he was named Pommy. My sister Rebecca named him that because my dad was an Englishman and... I thought so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rebecca was like, well... Dad's the only pom in the household, so we'll call the dog Pommy so he can have a Pommy a friend. friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. ally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't think I've told that story before, actually. Um, so Pommy is our, was our sort of my first dog, but I still have a couple of dogs, 16-year-old dogs, Jack and Blue. Uh, just having trouble with the mic oh, there, sorry. I think. Uh, maybe move a little bit forward. How's that? I can hear it. Fine. Your oh, head. It actually, maybe me and my head. <laughs> 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 it's so Pommy. Yeah, so Pommy and now Jack and Blue. So um, they're, they're, they're my dogs now, but they're, they're getting on now. So. Yeah, awesome. And I've got a couple of rescue cats, actually, that came down from Newman uh, in the Pilbara. Did I hear that you were a big supporter? Uh, sorry, not a supporter, yeah. but you were someone that was very anti-sheep ships. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of the live exports. Yeah, um, that's I, fine because neither yeah, am I. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... I you know, it's a big industry and a lot of farmers have, you know, depend on it. So, you've got to be really, really thoughtful about what happens when you um, talk about an industry and if you want to change it, you need to be able to provide options to those yep. farmers because that's their livelihood. And um, it's also, you know, the sheep transition through Baldivis, you know, the, the lots out of there which are in my electorate. So, that's jobs there mm. as well. So, There's a lot to consider. There's a heap to consider and, uh, you know, you don't want to – it's like the postal thing. You, you, you really shouldn't dismiss yeah. people, right? And mm. even though you might not agree with all that they their means of making money, they've got, they've got to feed their family too. Mm. So we just got to think it through. I think yeah. we had that um, situation the other day when we were talking to Carol Adams about the mm. Quinana Port, and um, there's been a lot of public opinion by on it. But like she said, you got to consider what the the options are here and, and the, the the help that it's going to help people with jobs. So you know we've we've got it we've got to look at it from both sides as well and be open to what what these these new developments are going to be all about. So um, one thing I want to know is what impacts have you noticed 
what impacts have you noticed that the current situation has had on the mental health of community members and what measures are being taken to ensure that people's mental well-being is being considered? I've just had to slap Rhea's hand away because she's pointing at my words. Um, more about mental health. What is being done about it at the moment? Yeah. Uh, look, th- this whole COVID has been isolating for people. Like, you know, people, and my elderly mother included, um, like, she would goes to Mass, or you did go to Mass every Sunday morning down at St Joseph's in Safety Bay, actually where I got married. But um, uh, that can't happen anymore because the nuns are a bit old and they can't manage the cleaning. You've got to have deep cleaning of public places and our public meeting places. So she's a bit isolated and so are everyone else that would go to that church. And they're not the only ones. You know, there's there's other people. So social connections are are less than they were, they're not as easy as they were and, and people are finding themselves more alone. So, and there, some people are more able to deal with that than others. It's just, you know, your personal history, resilience and stuff. But um, uh, how you then find a way to engage with the community when it's not normal is is the real challenge. So some people do it through social media, which is fine. But as we know, some social media and how... Look, its content in certain respects can be really negative and you can go down a rabbit hole of doubt and fear. And I think that's really um, problematic because, uh, you know, there is there is a bright side. I don't want to be naive about mm-hmm. um, how tough life can be, but we do have to look at the positives uh, sometimes. So, and, and I will, if you don't mind, just, just put people, you know, if you're feeling down about that and you are having mental health problems, there's always Lifeline, always someone at the end of the phone there, 131114, and Headspace in Rockingham, which is another great program that successive governments have supported. I support. Uh, it's, you know, for people to call and go and visit uh, if they they need some help. And that's uh, 65958888 if anyone's having issues. I would like to ask how you've kept yourself in a positive um, mental state during COVID and what sort of things do you do to keep um, mindful? Uh, well, I um, actually took on a, a little physical challenge thing. I haven't finished it yet. but Still going. One of my, my colleagues in the parliament, uh, a lady called Meryl Swanson and I, decided to do that couch to 5K run thing. It's meant to be done in eight weeks. I think we're at week 12. We still haven't quite done it. But, you know, we... we it's keep, a really good start. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figure. And that's why I stopped stressing about making it in a, a lot of time because I thought, well, I'm just going to keep plodding along. Who and needs go a lot of time anyway? Right? Yeah. <laughs> go for my little, <laughs> I mean, they're not, you couldn't call it running, uh, <laughs> jogs around uh, Lake Richmond. So, you know, this, those kind of things. And I think making sure, you know, long walks, speaking to your family. I've got my two old dogs to look after. They help me, you know, um, settle down when things get a bit too exciting, <laughs> you know, and it's uh, it's good to have uh, that kind of companionship as, as well as that of your family. But, um, yeah, I think always good if you can get outside and have a little bit of exercise and a little bit of fun. Perfect. So on Thursday was Australian Citizenship Day. How important is it to you that we're still having these citizenship ceremonies? Oh, sorry about my list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, citizenship ceremonies are great. And, and one of the things that has been affected, I haven't been able to go to as many because I've either been away or they did get cancelled for a while. Uh, they're really important. The City of Rockingham does them in a bigger space now over at the Gary Holland Centre so they can continue. Um, I did a few remotely, which was great fun, where we did them over a um, – well, over the, the computer, right? And uh, that was – I even did one citizenship ceremony. These are, you know, British people and the – 
the wife was in Baldivis, I think, and the husband was up in Newman or the Pilbara somewhere on a mine and and there was a official in Canberra and me in Rockingham. And so there was like four different mm. places and these two this young couple and their two children um were made citizens like that. And that's so important. When people want to uh, make a commitment to this country, we should really run up and embrace that and say, well, good on you. Because, you know, if you're born in Australia, you don't really have to make that commitment to the country. You know, it's taken as a given. And, you know, for people to to step up and say they want to commit to this country, we really need to acknowledge it and, and embrace it. And it, I just think it's so important. And they're the, one of the best part of the jobs, the citizenship ceremonies. I adore them. That's awesome. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Um, bef- so we're going back to the jobs thing. I think um, this is what Ria was probably wanting me to mention before when she's tapping my page. Um, and it is actually a really good question. You recently posted about Qantas outsourcing its workers. You encouraged everyone to contact Qantas management and the Morrison government over this. How important is to you that WA people get WA jobs? Well, it's super important. You know, we um, <laughs> West Australia has got a, you know, a, a quite a high unemployment rate and, you know, and this was part of McGowan government when he, when Mark and the team got elected a, a couple of years ago. That was an important part of their their platform that you know we need to make sure Western Australians are getting jobs here in Western Australia. And so, and this is part of that. So what Qantas is doing uh, is outsourcing a lot of its work. So when you and we don't go to the airport as much as we used to, but when you did, you would see baggage handlers. Um, you would see the, the the people on the the motors that push the aeroplanes back. Um, a lot of the support staff on the ground. Well, they used to all be Qantas workers, and now mm. that's not going to be the case. That's outsourced somewhere else, and we don't know how that's going to work. Whether it's a an Australian company or someone else doing that. So, uh, and and this is something that the Transport Workers Union have been really on top of because they they. They help all those workers. You think airports are so complex and they're dangerous, right? Like the big planes full of mm. jet fuel. So you really want it to be an ultra safe workplace. And, uh, you know, the sad thing about it is Qantas is this national carrier. We, we think about it as a flying kangaroo and we invest a lot in it. Um, and it's, you know, been helped along a bit by the government. You know, they should be... They should continue to be a, a fulsome aeroplane company that has all the skills that you would expect an aeroplane company to have, which includes baggage handlers and the truck, you know, the 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 flight traffic people that push the planes out. All these things are part mm. of a integrated airline, and uh, that's not going to be the case anymore. I think that's a concern of a lot of people with in all Australian-owned brands is whether or not the brands will sell out. And we don't really want that. I know a lot of people when um everything happened with COVID, everybody was like, no, shop local, buy buy Australian made, don't support anything else, just keep buying Australian made. So I, I think that was a good part about being in COVID was it united us in that sense. It was like, you know what, let's support our own people, let's support our own country right now. Yeah, totally agree. And and it made us think a bit more about where we get things from, mm. right? Uh, whether it's your fruit and veggies or, you know, y- y- your gifts. <laughs> so, you know, you could uh, turn to more local products. Like even local hobbyists, you know, the, like the CWA down at Safety Bay. I don't know if you see, they have these little fairs. And so I've started thinking, well, why would I buy gifts from a multinational thing to order on eBay or whatever? I might as well just, well, I should just think more about what I can buy locally, which is a bit more quirky. Yeah. Um, individual. So I think that's exactly right. It's turned us to thinking how we can, you know, 
be closer to one another through the you know interactions we have uh, in in buying and selling stuff to each other, which is fine. That's how villages work. Mm. So, what's the quirkiest thing you've ever bought? Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that is um. Uh, do you, you need know, hats? Yeah. Do, you, do you need hats for your chickens? Because our um, our, we have Rusty and Dusty here, and Dusty as she makes hats for her chickens. I don't have chickens, like little beanies. I oh. can tell you, if I um had chickens, I'd be buying those hats. What about one of our snails here? They have yeah, eyes. Well, that's <laughs> unusual. Um, you know, I once and, and this, I'm reminded of this because of your weird elephant thing up there. Um, I bought and this this is the things you do when you're stressed out, right? You buy dumb stuff. This yes, is, this happens to me always. Yeah, always. Um, and so I think it was on the eve of the twenty. 16 election so it was when I first got elected I was up in Fremantle because I'd had an event with the 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 man who was running for Fremantle a guy called Josh Wilson (laughs) I popped into a shop and I came out and I've still got it but I need to get rid of it it was a draft excluder thing right you know you know you put it on your front door if you've got a a bit of a yeah or a doorstop draft excluder anyway it's in the shape of a long sausage dog It says ugly <laughs> as all get up. Like it's so <laughs> ugly, I can't even talk. And I'd need to throw it out, but then it's just I leave it there as a reminder: don't go shopping when yes. you're stressed. Like you don't <laughs> want to buy that thing again. Like so, that was quirky. Well, oh. that's coming from Madeline King. So yeah. don't <laughs> buy stuff when you're stressed out, ladies. <laughs> um, how oh gosh, how important would it be for the people who have lost their jobs or re-entering the workforce to look into vocational training? And higher education, particularly women who have been out of work for some quite some time due to staying home to raising children. What advice would you have for them? Yeah, sure. Our vocational education, any any further education, I think, super important. Um, I've, I'm doing so myself. Actually, I've re-enrolled in a university degree that I didn't. I failed to finish a few years back, um, just because I think I should keep the brain ticking over on a few different things. But um, uh, if you can find the time to do extra training I, I think it's worth doing but you know there's now it's it's pretty expensive so and the state government's doing a lot to try and reduce TAFE fees but you know I do accept that that's that can be hard for many families and we now know university fees are about to go up which is a dreadful shame something I used to work in the university sector for about 10 years so um I I'm really sad by the fact that it's going to be harder for young people and uh, Rockingham and Quinana to go get a uh, communications degree, you know, for work like you're both doing. So, um, and for all sorts of other um, work that they might do. Uh, it's, but that's what the government wants to do. Uh, so, getting an education is getting harder. I think people should do it. And I really, y- you, you can't get enough education if you ask me. But um, it is getting increasingly harder and more expensive and unaffordable. And that's really a bad thing for the country, I think. And what are you studying? I'm I, studying. Had to, I had to ask. I had to get a little bit nosy there. Just yeah, say, no, what no. are you studying? I, I'm studying my Master's in International Relations because uh, in, in my job I'm also the Shadow Minister for Trade, so I deal a lot of uh, in um, well, trade issues and, and global international relations. So I thought I should uh, study a bit more about it in a, in a more formal sense. Do you think that we could really benefit from having – I mean, I know we, we had one built, but a university that functions here in Rockingham or Quinana or surrounding areas. And what do you think that would mean for us here? Yeah, sure. I mean, we did. I mean, the Murdoch campus is still there. Um, I have a, a view, and I don't know if everyone agrees with me, is I think when young people want to go to university, they don't necessarily want to stay at home and go to university. Uh, so what happened, my understanding of what happened with the Murdoch-Rockingham campus is 
Uh, it didn't have the full uh, range of courses that a, a young person leaving high school might want to undertake. It was a fairly limited choice. So, and and then the railway came in, quite frankly, and it became a lot easier for people to get the train from home up to South Street and go to Murdoch Uni there where there's the big library, there's the cafes, there's the community of a university, the sporting clubs, the tavern, you know, all these fun things that, that you know, new adults or young adults like to enjoy. And so the Murdoch campus wasn't as popular. It was really popular um, with uh, mature age women and, and that was super important and I think it's a shame that that, that has ended for, for mature age women wanting to retrain after having a young family. Uh, and I wish that that could have kept going, but I do understand why the young people didn't want to go to that campus necessarily. Do you think that maybe looking at if if the government were looking at opening that back up for COVID um, to enable local people to study something relevant, that that would be beneficial to our community? Oh, yeah, it would definitely be beneficial. I, it's definitely beneficial. It's just expensive, <laughs> I think, is the thing. And And Murdoch can't necessarily afford it. And with cuts to higher education... I mean, the university sector is about to lose thousands of jobs. So uh, the things like outer suburban learning centres like Murdoch's uh, are almost the first to go, sadly, uh, if not the first to go. And I think that's a terrible tragedy, but that is what happens when you've got governments that don't actively invest in higher education. It's expensive, but it's worth it. Yeah. 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 That's the thing I was actually going to bring up. This is something that is personally a pet peeve of mine <laughs> um, and something I think that needs to be addressed is um, if, unless you're on a government pension, there is a lot of job agencies that will not touch you. So if I've decided that after so many years of being home as a, as a mother with my kids and I haven't been receiving any other government pensions other than, say, family tax benefit, if I walk into a, jo- a job agency most of the time they don't want to know me unless I'm receiving a job keeper allowance or a single parent's payment and I find that quite frustrating because I don't understand why you wouldn't encourage women to come back out once they've done their part to back into the workforce and help them out with training if, if someone comes in and says hey listen I'll pay half the fees can you help me out with getting into this course can you help me out with some guidance some resume building some experience getting for a job is that something that it can be looked at in the future yeah, and it's explored. It, it certainly can, Gabby. And and you're right. It's because the the um the job assistance companies now that that's that was all privatized way back when we used to have the CES would do that kind of work for everyone, um and and they they earn their money by helping people that are on those pensions or schemes that you're not, and which many people aren't. So, uh, th- it's not in their commercial interest. And remember, a lot of these. Uh, job assistance places are they're not they're not mum and dad operations or community operations mm. some of them are but many of them are owned by private equity funds you know because yeah. they're money making uh, because the government pays them so you you're kind of trapped uh whereas the their only their main motivation is they've got to pay their people so how do they get money well it's making sure people that are on pensions or or job seeker or what was new start get jobs and if you're not on those well 
They're not going to get any money off and you. So. The, the problem with that is, though, is in, in, in what I've noticed in the past, and I'm, I'm not naming, shaming anyone here, but there's been cases where people will just keep going through courses, through courses, through courses. They'll follow the rules that Centrelink give them and the job agency, and they'll, okay, yeah, I'll do another certificate. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go out and get a job with it. They're just doing it so they can continue a, a payment from yeah. the government. And it would be good to, if some f- sort of fun, sorry, some sort of funding could be put into helping parents who are keen to get back into the workforce um, because, I mean, look, I, I love my job. This mm. is the best thing I've ever did and this is voluntary. So a lot of what we are doing, we're volunteering our time because it's a way that we can build our own experience and get into doing something we love. But it'd be good to be able to have that extra help that, say, if something happens to be able to get some assistance and it'd, it'd be good if, like, that's something the government could look at later on down the track. Yeah, I totally agree. And the thing is, if we don't help women get back to work after they've had a family, um, and you know chose to to stay at home for a certain amount of time which is you know a great thing to do if we don't do that we lose the potential right that, that mm. there's there's a workforce there people want to work want to do something in the community want to contribute they also quite rightly want to get paid and not just do volunteer work for the rest of their lives you know the government should be proactive on helping them get to work i totally agree uh, because if you you cut out that part of the population, well, it's like 50% of the population. Mm. And, and quite frankly, with COVID, you know, this is a country that it do, its growth does depend a lot on, on migration and that's not going to happen like it used to because for obvious reasons, just travel restrictions. So we will need, you know, more people uh, getting back into the workforce. And, and, you know, we know there's been a decrease in jobs right now, but, you know, it, it will come back. Mm. It'll take time. It'll take commitment. But it's going to be... Uh, inspiring young uh, entrepreneurs, women and men that start building businesses back up, um, that'll be what saves us. But I think also people just don't, that they undervalue the, the potential of just volunteering and getting out and getting involved again because, like I said, we've had some of the best experiences here just by being volunteers. Yeah, I fun. wouldn't change it for anything, honestly. <laughs> so, um, it, no, but that's good. Like, just being open to those potentials. Yeah, absolutely. So keeping the borders closed has been the clear message expressed by our state government. Mm. Do you feel the federal government is trying to bully WA into opening its borders again? Yeah, there, there's been a, a... I found it quite distressing watching um, the Prime Minister pressure not only Mark McGowan but also Anastasia Palaszczuk uh, in Queensland um, but didn't put the same kind of pressure on the premiers of South Australia and Tasmania that are also closed uh, and also really unedifying pressure on Dan Andrews who... Like there's been mistakes in Victoria, but you, that guy has not stopped working, man. Like he, he, I, I don't know when he sleeps, so <laughs> I, I take my hat off to him. But um, you know, the national cabinet was meant to be this place where uh, things were agreed by consensus. That's not happening, and instead, what what happens and what happens to our premier Mark McGowan is that he he hears about ideas for the national cabinet by press release over the radio or. You know, not not by Morrison calling him or it coming up on an agenda. It's uh, all kind of by by hijack and surprise, and and that's that's no way to run anything, let alone a country. <laughs> if you ask me, uh, it, it it does need a bit more um, consultation. So yeah, I, I think the the government, our state government, is getting bullied. Um, Mark McGowan, as you know, won't be bullied. Uh, so, and good on him. Um, yeah, we're lucky. I reckon. Uh, <laughs> and, and people support it. And we, we all are missing out. Like, it's not like Mark wants to do this. Mm. 
or Roger or Paul or myself, you know, it, it's you don't want to have my sister's in Cairns, she was meant to be here like next week, and that's just not going to happen. But we understand why, mm. so I and it's harder on some than others, and I totally understand that it's been really tough, but. I just think it's uh, it's important for the time being while the health crisis is, remains. Does it seem to you to be a little bit more like schoolyard bullying? You know, we're we're over here and we're all messed up, and you're not, and you should be messed up too. Is it <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty funny, isn't it? Um, I've never heard so much demand of people wanting to come to WA until <laughs> until we close the borders. Oh, I've right? heard, I've seen a couple of of, of our um our brothers and sisters over there make a few comments about us though, and they've said, yeah. "Oh, WA who? <laughs> oh, you know what? Who wants to go to WA anyway? You I know, have like so many friends moved from here to Melbourne before this happened, and everybody I speak to about WA usually tells me, you know, it's a nanny state, it's boring, you guys don't do anything over there, and I'm like, look at us now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's always um been a, a constant kind of struggle to uh for WA to be able to explain its participation in the federation and how much of the revenue comes from WA into the national uh, coffers. Uh, but, you know, I I I love uh, Australia as a whole. You know, it's mm. a good country and I do look forward to the borders opening, but everyone does. Like, this is not um, fun uh, having them shut and I think, uh, you know, the, the, the time will come and we'll be grateful to be uh, back to normal. Um, I we're going to try and get through these next yeah, questions because sure. we've been uh, we've had you here for a while, you yeah, poor thing, and you just listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great with three women get in a room. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't stop talking. Uh, Penguin <laughs> Island has reopened oh, to the yeah. public. What would be your message to the Rockingham community about getting out and exploring their own state again? Oh uh, well, I love Penguin Island. I grew up opposite Penguin Island in, in Shoalwater Bay. There. You were born in Callista. I was born in Callista. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you must have <laughs> been born on the old Callista Hospital. I was. Yeah. On, uh, I think it's Madewell, Caton Street, or something. Kenton Way, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. And so was my, my sister and my three brothers. We were all born there. A, I can see a penguin in front of me. His name <laughs> is Mr. Fish Flipper. Yeah, right? he's, yeah. he's excited now because you're talking about Penguin yeah, Island. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, we, we uh, in the summer, my husband and I often, we paddle over to Penguin Island and, and I'll tell you a little story. Out the back, they're, they call them these little spa things, but they're, they're in the reef and they're like little rock pools. That's and, awesome. And my dad would call them the giant's footsteps. So oh. when we go over, oh, we'll go walk through the giant's footsteps, mm. like big feet walking through the reef or something. So when I go there every time, I say, oh, Jamie, we'll go sit in the giant's footsteps. And that's, that's really what we cool. do. So, I love that. so we go over to Seal Island and, and Penguin Island. and um, So that's you know, how you're getting out and about to relax in Rockingham. Well, not yeah. right now because it's been a bit rough, the weather out there. Yeah, I was yeah. going <laughs> to say, it'd be a bit cold, I reckon. Yeah. But um, I do, one of the, you might think this is weird, um, but on Sunday, just yesterday, I did a bit of gardening, but not at home. It's, today would have been my, my nan's birthday. Uh, she was born in 1910, and, and she died more than 20 years ago. But I went over to the East Rockingham Cemetery to, to garden around where her grave is. Uh, she's got a little daisy bush we put there and a, um, some flowers. And so I spent two hours weeding my, my lovely nan's <laughs> grave, which is it's kind of weird, but it's peaceful. I and don't really think that's weird at all. I no. think that's very mindful uh, and kind and respectful. Well, and the, the people that walk around, there's people visiting their loved ones that have gone before them and people always stop and chat. It's it's quite a, a funny place. At it. I, I love it. Um, it's also the Pioneer Cemetery. So you can see all the, the settlers' graves mm. that, you know, settled Rockingham and Quinana. So... And it's beautiful, lots of trees, and it's pretty quiet. So, yeah, it was really – so that's one of the weird things I do to relax here, go visit the cemetery. Now, there's one <laughs> thing I um, – because well, we're just going to get through the yeah. things now. Well, there's one thing I do want to know, and it's – I think this is something – Um, unfortunately, I think they got cancelled the other night, the Rockingham Twilight Markets, because of the – obviously, 
Mother Nature having plans. Yeah. But um, what events are making a comeback this year for Rockingham? I think the Beach Cup is. And is there any concern due to the current crisis that means that we might may not see the return of yearly events for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, I know. I think the 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 beach, um, the Palm Beach Rotary are running the the beach horse race cup, yep. again, which is yeah, that's spectacular. Yeah, uh, we're excited about that. Yeah, <laughs> that that's <laughs> really fun, and I, I hope. I mean, it sounds like that's going to happen, which is great. Uh, mm. That's a, it's a good community event. You can go along to the beach, and if you've got a. Uh, a boat or a surfboard you can paddle up and watch it from the seashore so that's that's pretty cool so th- that's certainly on its way back i believe the the city of rockingham's still going to do a an australia day function next year with the fireworks and I, I think all these things will start coming back and the various fairs we have over the summer uh, i know some of the the school fates and those kind of like the Baldivis fair think things have mm. had to change uh and and that's okay but i I do think we'll see the last of it. So the Royal Shows, you know, was cancelled, but there's going to be the, the Spring Farm Fair or something yeah. for the showgrounds. And, and I that's think even cool. the Telethon one, they've changed it from the Kids Carnival to the Kids Festival or Family Festival. Yeah, so things are just changing yeah. to adapt. And I think, um, you know, I, I think by next year after January, I think things will be getting back to normal. Awesome. Okay, so what are... What plans are in the works for future developments or infrastructure for the area? And is there anything you can share about any exciting new plans in the works for upgrades? I wish I had uh, <laughs> some <laughs> wonderful announcement, but uh, we're in the opposition, so we don't get to tell the, the surprises. But, you know, I think it's exciting about the Westport, uh, the potential of, of a new port. Uh, it's it, it will be challenging as that, that, you know, transition out of Fremantle for for workers and communities alike but you know that's that's an important new infrastructure project there's also different works going on uh in the rail uh, you know metronet um we've been lucky down here in the southern suburbs that we've had when the metronet was built down here that mandra line was really we had four stations in in this electorate which have been really good so uh, you know there's there's the road works that were happening up on patterson road that's all now finished which is great so uh there's there's I'm not privy to any brand new projects, but I do look forward to seeing the Westport uh, uh, port uh, happen. Now, speaking of opposition, mm. <laughs> how are you preparing for the upcoming elections? Uh, so the state election, well, I, uh, you know, obviously my, the federal election won't be till late next year at yep. the earliest. So we just, uh, as a federal office, you know, I support my state colleagues, yep. uh, Mark McGowan's my local member here in Rockingham. Uh, and Roger Cook, the Health Minister in Kwinana, uh, Paul Papalia, and Reese Whitby out in Baldiver. Oh, so we're very lucky. We've had all of them. Yeah. We got we got like the we got like the dream team going yeah. on here. I keep trying to get some more in. You know, I'm trying to get Ben Wyatt at the moment. So oh, we can get Ben. In. Oh, can you yeah, get Ben? I went I've, to uni I've, with Ben. Well, oh, oh well. really? I've I've, yeah. I've contacted his office, and I know they had a little time to get back. To, yeah. So I'm also trying to get an education minister, and so I'm trying to get Sue Ellery. Okay. So there's a few of them. Yeah. I'm like, oh, if you know anyone, just well, sort of, and also David Templeman. Oh, David Templeman's fan. Get him in and sing. He I heard. Sing. Yeah. I watched his video on YouTube <laughs> yeah. of him. I will get along well with him. I do sing. I oh, like that. Yeah. I like, hello, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David's terrific. So, yeah. we've seen Mark down at the pub, yeah. um, obviously. W- do you do you pop down to any local pubs? And what's your <laughs> drink of choice? <laughs> oh, mojitos. Well, I do like mojitos. mojitos. <laughs> I do like mojitos. Um, I, I, out at uh, White Lakes Brewing, I like popping out there from time to time. Um they don't have one yet, but I'm a big fan of uh, sour beer. Like oh. I don't know if you know it, but um, I got a st- I 
I've got to restrict myself to one beer a week or I'll just gain even more weight. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like a, a nice uh, sour beer. I also um, am a big fan of Peel Estate, the, the vineyard down at Stake Hill, uh, down toward Mantra. You know, it's just at the sort of Carnup area. Yeah. Um, they're fantastic down there. And they've got the, the oldest Zinfandel uh, vines in the state. And people forget that there's this terrific little vineyard on their doorstep. I didn't even know it was there. I drove past yeah. it one day and I just thought, there's it's a beautiful. winery. Like, there's a, there, would yeah. you go on a wine tour? They, they have you know? concerts out there. They ha- you can go for a picnic. I have my staff and I went, you know, our first sort of get-together during COVID, once restrictions came up, we had a little picnic out there, took a, you know, plates of cheese and, and bought some of their lovely sparkling and had a lovely day out there, you know, playing uh, games and stuff. And uh, so it's it's a terrific little vineyard. So. I'm also a big fan of King Road Brewery. That's one yeah, of my, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's great. They too. have some great concerts too. They yeah. also have a great playground for yeah, children. That's it's what you need. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but they've got a new rooftop bar, I think, now. So how cool oh, okay. is that? Yeah, that's so terrific. pretty sick. I went there to the Def Leppard in, um, and Bon Jovi tribute. That's <laughs> very good. Goodness me. Uh, <laughs> it was it was awesome. That would have been fun. Oh, boy, I, I was yeah. a bit sick the next day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in Rockingham. What are your goals and ambitions for the Pill region? And what are some of the most raised concerns that the people of Rockingham are raising with, uh, are bringing to you? And what would you like the city of Rockingham to know? Oh, good one. Um, well, my, my ambitions for the area, I, 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 I think education is really important. I think I spoke about this earlier. And I, um, I like to speak to a lot of the, the young people in the community and urge them to keep working hard at school so that they, they can go get a, a further education even though costs are rising. <laughs> I, I think that and that opportunity was available to me and I really want it to be available to uh, young people as they go through the school system. I, I think overall for the for the region, I think we've got a, a great opportunity to make uh, Rockingham a you know like a, a real day trip destination during times of COVID where people don't have to go far. This is what it used to be. When my mum was coming here in the like 50s, uh, this was where everyone went for their holidays, not Margaret River. They would come here, uh, you know, so they were beach. That was beach shack days. It's changed a lot since then. So, you know, the work the city council has done on the beachfront at the foreshore, I think, uh, is really important. And I think that's part of that story of getting more people down here. So mm-hmm. um, if there's any message I could send to the city of Rockingham, I would say uh, keep going. I think yeah, the investment in that community infrastructure and community spaces is really important. I think um, the work around things for young people like skate parks uh, and that kind of infrastructure also has to continue. Like don't be put off by some naysayers. Um, I'd always throw in an extra dog park because people love them, but, you mm. know, they've got a lot to do, the city of Rockingham. So uh, I, I think they're doing a good job um, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm in contact with the the mayor quite frequently and uh, every time I've got a concern, they're, they're really quick to respond. So I, I say good luck to them. Thank you. We're just mm. doing a live video. So we oh, great. Say yeah. hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Would you po- mind possibly recording a jingle for us? So if you could just say something along the lines of your name and, you know, you're listening to Inspire Radio online, that would be Oh, okay. Um, do I get a countdown or something? Okay. Uh, three, three, two, one. one. Go. 
Hello, my name is Madeline King and you're listening to Inspire Radio. Oh, you're absolutely awesome. Thank and you. can I ask you two more questions, yeah. just quick ones. How important is that we support our local sporting groups and organisations? And finally, if you follow the AFL, who do you think is going to win this year? Okay, um, really, it's great to support local community sport. I support the Rockingham Rams and um, their women's and girls teams and I, I love it. I'm, I'm a hockey player myself, so I support the Rockingham Redbacks as well. Um Nothing, nothing like community sport uh, and if you can keep playing sport all your life, I think it's really important. The social part of it's great. Uh, and the AFL? Um, well, I am a Fremantle fan. Oh, <laughs> bless her, bless her. But in the waffle, I'm a West Perth fan and we beat Perth yesterday, so we're going to brilliant next week. Um, look, all the best to the Eagles, all the best to the Eagles, but, you know, imagine being Brisbane right now and the <laughs> chance of having a grand final at the Gabba. So, I know, I, I know, mean, but... Good luck to them. You know yeah. what? We need to bring the flag back here. Yeah, yeah. it needs to <laughs> well, come back Only here. the Eagles can do that now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, we've been so lucky to have you here today. You're a, you're a delight. We're, we're absolutely enjoying it. I'm stoked. <laughs> I, I just lo- absolutely love, like, um, women who pretty much build things for themselves and I'm just... <laughs> Excited to meet you. Oh, so thanks. You've been absolutely so awesome. No, it's been a great fun. We just want to say thank you so much, though, for coming in. Thank you for supporting Inspire Radio, and we hope that you'll be back again soon. I will, anytime. Give us a call. Thank you. Great. Thank you. All right, we're going to go to a song now. For the community, Inspire Radio.